Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of the VC Bruno podcast a podcast that provides a unique perspective of the startup world through the lens of venture capitalists and entrepreneurs I am your host Digjay and today I have with me Ishpreet Gandhi founder and managing partner at Stride Ventures Stride Ventures is a venture debt fund focused on lending to growth stage startups and has already made investments in companies like Let's Transport Stellabs and Sugar Cosmetics In this episode Ishpreet talks about the rise of venture debt as a funding alternative for startups specific use cases and benefits of venture debt to founders how stride ventures differentiates itself from traditional venture debt firms and the outlook for venture debt in india i had a great time talking to ishpreet understanding the nuances of venture debt and busting some myths regarding this asset class along the way so without much ado let's jump into the episode to find out what ishpreet has to share Welcome Ashpreet welcome to the VC Bruno podcast glad to have you on the show today Hi Digjay uh, thanks for having me pleasure is all mine Okay so you know maybe we can start off with a quick summary of you know your journey leading up to venture capital and tell us you know what led you to start stride ventures Sure Digjay I come from a banking experience so I started my career with Standard Chartered Bank in 2007 when I started managing small and medium enterprises clients It was typically companies up to thirty million dollar of exposures that we used to do liabilities and asset side to do, and then the exposure towards dealing with small and medium enterprises in terms of various requirements uh, led me to understand the 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 day to day problems which the companies face on on ground on the on the lending side or on the working capital requirements. Then I had a stint with Citibank Commercial Banking again in North, where we tried building uh, companies up to 350 crores of revenues in terms of originating and working closely with them. And as as an aspiration to a lot of bankers, uh, large corporates was something which I wanted to do, and Kotal Group gave me that opportunity. When I was handling large corporates, multinationals, and I moved there. And while doing that, I started also dealing with private equity-backed companies. That's what that was another exposure towards the venture capital private equity world, almost seven eight years back. And uh, from there on in yes bank hired me to take care of the multinational corporates for north and east again and i was a team leader basically we were funding companies were backed by not only private equity but what we also tried doing was to fund companies which are backed by venture capital right now that's a traditional space uh, where the banks have been away from and from there on in i personally went and met a lot of vc funds and tried understanding what are the requirements which they foresee in the working capital scenarios for their portfolio companies and from there on in it's been 5 6 years now that i have been trying to lend to startups in various forms because that's the business segment i have associated the most in my banking stint and ultimately that led to the realization of having our own fund and working closely with the banks to fund them in various forms and that's what stride is so not only we fund out of the fund but we also we work very closely with our partner banks and try to fund various structures what we used to do ourselves that was the realization moment to do a larger ecosystem connect and not only being limited towards what you can do yourself but how you can open the financial ecosystem which led me to start stride right and you know before we get into the details about stride ventures uh, you know for the benefit of our listeners if you can you know unpack what exactly is venture debt and how is it different from traditional bank debt in terms of you know structure tenor uh, collateral etc Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, so, Digjay, uh, venture debt as a classic use case is you are doing a capital infusion in a loan form alongside an venture capital round, and that typically happens naturally when you have raised a first round of venture capital. So, uh, this this asset class gets activated during the first. You can possibly get it activated when the first venture capital round happens. 
and generically the intent of availing this and why it's useful is that it helps in the protection of the dilution of the founders let's presume a company taking a 10 million dollar or raising a 10 million dollar round now if you raise a 10 million dollar round and peg it to a certain valuation you will get diluted to that proportion right so hypothetical case 10 million round dollar round 50 million dollar valuations you get diluted by 21% traditional use cases of venture debt is that out of 10 you can replace some bit of it with venture debt which itself ensures that your dilution is not 20% so if you replace the 10 million dollar 2 million dollar gets replaced by debt component naturally you would not get diluted by the additional 4% though you give some warrants away but that's that's always minute to the amount of what you have raised and you pay a certain interest portion on the debt amount so by by default it's it's generally an asset class which which is to prevent your dilutions and to earmark or to mirror venture capital in certain manner at stride we have built in some mechanisms which are different in nature so we have tweaked this a bit and we understand that being venture capital is important for us to give lending to but we are not necessarily joining hands only when the venture capital round is happening even if a venture capital investor is already established in the company and the company is not looking at a round we have been okay lending to companies in various structures So this is venture debt typically as a use case, and how Stride is trying to uh, build within that. Right, and you know what would be the key differentiators? You know, if if I were to compare this with a you know normal bank loan, which usually startups do not get. Sure. Yeah. So basically, bank loan is uh, typically a financing which is provided at much lesser rate. So venture debt is positioned at mid teens, depending on what uh, risk side of the aspects are. It can be anywhere from fourteen to eighteen percent. while a bank loan would always be around the interest levels of where the interest uh, rates of the, the the country or the economy are so it keeps on fluctuating but bank loans are typically defined as anywhere from 8 to 10 11% that's the broader range so naturally it's much cheaper source of financing and you do not dilute in form of any warrant also there which is a basic characteristic of a venture debt so uh, that's where it is but as you rightly said it's not available for everyone even if you're venture capital backed i think the real constraint is not being freely available banking lines which have been available because of the constraints of the environment right so compared to these banks which are you know not lending to startups or not comfortable lending to startups what comfort are you drawing from or rather you know what are the due diligence aspects that you look into uh, which gives you that additional comfort to lend to startups so diligence uh, the way we have built ourselves is our diligence comes from our background of dealing with startups through the banking exposure first of all what we realize that it's not only the equity money which is naturally important with traditionally defined as a runway for a company to survive not only that is important or a deep venture capital which is important for a company but also is the cash flows of the company so what we see as lenders purely is that how the cash flows of the companies are structured is there a genuine use case of debt to be taken a basic thumb rule is debt can't be replaced by equity and equity can't be replaced by debt when i say equity can't be replaced by debt means from a perspective of if you have a working capital requirement you end up deploying a lot of equity for your working capital requirements now traditionally that's where debt comes in yep. and that's where we believe that it should be uh, used for and within within the parameters of our underwriting is that cash flows which you which i've just mentioned is also the naturally some of the broader aspects remain that what kind of industry you're servicing have you gone to that line that defines the path to profitability or the unit economics of the business right have you reached that stability perspective that you started calling yourself a growth stage maybe a series b or a c but can you define yourself as a proven business model and you're still not toying with an idea of working on your customers 
and broadly then what kind of team it is coming from what kind of market you are servicing what kind of problem you are trying to solve and what kind of investors are backing you yeah. we have certain metrics which are defined as our 20 key points where we score them but broadly these are the pointers which remains very critical for for a lender to look into since our paramount importance is to get the money back duly on time the cash flows of the business is paramount which can be supported by various other things or forms right so understand you know the margins and the cash flows are definitely important criteria for any lender you know to lend uh, not just to a startup but also to a company the important aspect that you mentioned is also the cap table and the investors that are you know currently backing the startup so you know could you highlight some you know red flags as well as some positives that you you know take note of when you look at a cap table uh, before making that decision to lend sure so I, I like to believe that already out of the current companies we have sanctioned nine now seven has been announced or disbursed uh, all of these companies have been backed by various investors out of the fund i'm saying right all of these companies have been backed by various investors you have impact investors you have smaller investors you have large tier one investors we have funded companies of axel sequoia cf matrix already in the fund and uh, the the realization is that can this investor support the company what is the fund life of that investor from a support to the company right and that's it i actually found a liking with impact investors as well so if there is an impact investor because their intent of being with the company is long term in nature correct from a lender perspective it serves the purpose right and rather impact investors have generated good returns as well yep so basically any investor which can give you a comfort of being around with the company in thick and thins uh, i think it's very very critical for us as a lender to look into this can be expected fund life their investment horizon in the company what kind of backing they come from what is the nature of the investment for them is it strategic is it impact is it commercial all these factors will possibly define that role of that capital which which will be available for the companies going forward right fair enough and you know could you for, you know again for the benefit of the listeners can you share some specific scenarios where you know a venture that could be you know a better alternative compared to raising equity for a startup i'm glad dikji you asked this question because uh, i think that's what we're trying to solve here and since you've been a banker we had a candid discussion around it now now imagine a company right especially a startup dealing with enterprise clients now startups uh, real glory is to get large corporates crack enterprise clients make make every investor happy and when you do that the lot of corporates will overall press you in terms of giving bad receivables right bad when i say bad receivable it doesn't mean default receivables it means elongated receivable yep so receivable is your time period while you realize sales in terms of actual cash getting credited in the account and that's where actually enterprises tends to be difficult and what we have realized is most of the startups who are dealing on the b2b segment are dealing with them and the receivable cycle is anywhere from 30 days to 180 days average maybe 90 to 100 correct now if you're not getting your money on time what will will result into your current burn and since you're not getting cash flows on time will be supported by the equity that's where the receivable financing is one of an important tool where which can be utilized where we partner with our company and speak to our partner banks and get various structures done for them another aspect is capital expenditure required for certain projects right so there might be smaller capital requirements there might be large capital requirements depending on what project you are entering into but for most of the startups it's not very high would be smaller capital projects where they end up deploying their equity money so another another use case where you can use debt rather than equity third use case can be you are a b2c model or a b2b2c model your inventory led model and consumer pay itself has been quite important in the ecosystem again you have inventory stuck for a while and you can fund that inventory through debt rather than using your equity money 
in a very very uh, simple manner from a balance sheet perspective for a startup money doesn't have any color capital is capital the, the aspect which we are trying to solve here is capital can be provided in two forms equity and debt what we are also advocating for is when it's equity required you can't replace with debt what we are advocating for is that the debt structure since it's a capital on the balance sheet some bit of it can be replaced by debt in various forms so when 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 you speak to a founder or when you understand his or her business cycle you'll understand what are the various requirements which can come in a particular business or is it on the receivable side working capital side which includes inventory or is it capital expenditure or something else which can be replaced by debt that's what we try to solve when we look at a company and that's what we try to educate to some of the companies in today's time as well that since the virus has broken in in february march and we've been hearing all kind of news about lot of startups going under yep. but in a in a practical terms lot of seasoned founders have stood tall right they have not let the company go in a difficult scenario they have been fighting very well and actually those are the founders as well where we have picked up and say okay if you're not getting equity we'll support you on debt we'll give you a debt cushion right now you you pass this difficult time and the scenarios will be better the revenues will be better the valuations will come to a certain extent back and that's where you take an equity round so i think the real realization period has happened now during covid and at at stride we have sanctioned seven companies and did a follow on of three companies right so that's been a very important period for us that we've showed that actually an underwriting of a company and giving money for the real use cases can be as paramount as equity and this being a non dilutive capital from that perspective can be really critical yeah right fair point and you know apart from the capital requirement and you know looking at the suitability of whether it should be funded by debt or equity another important aspect is you know avoiding dilution for the founders because like you said you know not all capital needs need to be funded by equity because that's how it's traditionally been done you know the indian market is now you know looking up to venture debt and it's gradually you know maturing and being accepted as an asset class and we'll talk more about that later in the podcast i also wanted to understand the structure and the economics behind a typical venture debt deal so you know what's the uh, range of equity that you end up getting and you know what are the general interest rate range that you charge the startup yes so uh, mid teens so it, it can be anywhere from 14 15% to 17% uh, depending on various parameters which we have built and on the top of that we do have a warrant structure which would be anywhere from 10 to 15% of the debt amount that's typical broader terms it naturally fluctuates from case to case their intent is to generate an irr for our lps to the tune of 18 18 and that's what we try to achieve because it's a it's considered as a comparatively liquid then a venture capital as an asset class again if you globally see this asset class this is overall considered as a lower riskier profile than some of the other instruments the way you structure it it's all about the structuring there so that's what we try to achieve but we do have a separate element where we work very closely with banks to get them the banking credit lines as well we've already announced one company in the ecosystem where we've announced a deal with a bank co-lending with us so when we talk to a company and we like them we try to do all the things for them considering that we have done credit underwriting ourselves as a team there has been a significant appreciation of what stride can build for some of the banks which which really wants to do this business i'm glad you know venture debt as an asset class is bringing traditional banks as well you know getting exposure to startups still early days but promising nonetheless Yes, and we are glad that that's happening. Honestly, coming from the bank, I've realized that that's the best thing for the ecosystem to happen. 
another aspect that i wanted to you know touch upon is the securitization models you know for venture debt deals usually traditional banks have some you know physical asset or collateral that they try to you know get their hands on in in return for what they're lending towards in venture debt that's difficult so just wanted to understand you know what are the collateral options that you guys have been exploring when you're lending to startups yeah so i think rounding of the last discussion on so commercials i touched upon typical security in venture debt there are no hard collaterals that's that's something which you which you have to live with you are not going and attaching personal assets of the founder we are a senior secured lender so naturally uh, in terms of charge of assets we are superior from our perspective but from a tangible security perspective there is no tangible security we try to be within the purview of being what's permissible and what's possible within that company to give a charge to so it might be a receivables current assets charge maybe a pledge of shares in some cases with the founders depending on the scenarios right so just to add on you know how are you differentiating yourself as a venture debt firm we've seen in the last you know couple of years two or three you know Uh, venture debt firms come up and you know they're still finding the ground and doing well by lending to the ecosystem so how are you trying to differentiate and what is the additional value that you know a founder can expect from stride ventures besides the uh, debt capital that they are providing so honestly to give it to the existing players i think how i see it as an overall ecosystem play so if all of us believe that this is an important time for the asset class to pick up and start funding that's the best scenario to be in and with all due respect i think the current firms have done a great job in terms of building a franchise how we work as a model is kind of slightly different first comes immediately from the prior experience of being bankers right so we've since we've been funding startups from the bank we understand what is the pain point from a bank not to fund it that's what we're trying in the manner in which we have done co-lending deals right that's that's an industry first so for a startup founder it's like getting average cost of financing down So, in spite of the fact we are at mid-teens, if you get banks clubbed with you, the average cost of financing comes down for you. So that's that's the first thing. Second is, and the most important sometimes is that we are not relying on a venture capital round to fund a company. So, if you see our portfolio companies right now, they are not come with a venture capital round as traditionally the case is. And our underwriting is the most important piece for a for us to give money to a company. So, if we believe that the company can pay back in that 12-18 months period. we are quite good there in fact since the time we started funding i don't think there have been very fresh uh, there have been fresh rounds from any company and we never came on on top of equity round right but we've been very good in terms of our repayments so we have not seen a single day of interest principal delays so it's about understanding the business model and supporting it so underwriting helps us there so from a founder perspective not having a venture capital round because some of them actually fail to believe this that they come to us and say are you sure you'll be able to lend i am not raising a venture capital round are you sure this will happen so that's a myth from a perspective of what currently we do in the venture debt ecosystem so we are actually we have we've been lending to companies who have not been raising a fresh round of series something and third is we have actually followed a bank model we are already one of the largest venture debt teams uh, pan india across delhi bombay and bangalore so we follow and more of engagement manager concept which you used to have in banks which you'd be able to relate that you work very closely with your company you don't give the company uh, debt and then uh, that's about it your association is there so while doing that we do have a special invite seat uh, on the company's board we work very closely to build their businesses right because these days it's all about plus plus then venture capital can get questioned about not the amount of money but the what value add you get so we've been very cognizant of day one and uh, that's our value add in terms of working very closely with our portfolio companies to be an extended ecosystem partner for them for getting them penetrated within the financial ecosystem 
So all these three things have kept us favorable in the recent deals. So another aspect that I wanted to touch upon is, you know, how do you source deals and ensure you get access to some of the quality deal flows? Sure. So Dikjay, uh, basically when we started the fund, I think one thing which worked in our favor was again our experience of dealing with some of the venture capital funds. Because when you come from a bank and and people know you that you are funded from the bank, there is a certain validation. The only question is whether you'll be able to raise money to fund the companies. Let's be honest. Whether you, as a first-time fund manager, whether you'll be able to raise money to fund the company. But there's a certain validation from the ecosystem that okay, I've seen this person or I've seen these people and they know how to lend to. And they've done a decent job of that from the banks and the money has come back and they've supported our companies. If you start from that validation, I think uh, it itself is not very difficult. What you have to prove over a period of time is to get right deals for yourself. So you might have to actually very well connected uh, to the venture capital ecosystem and the founders whom you lend to should like you, should actually, are we walking the talk with what we are saying? Is again a bank concept that you love your relationship manager or the bank, right? And uh, that's how actually it gets spread out. Uh, and then post that, I think what we have, you would be surprised to know, we have looked at 200 odd companies in the in the lockdown period, which are Series A uh, plus. So I think deal flow has is a combination of your personal connects, your reputation, how what you can do for the companies, how well the founders speak about you, and are you a value add for the ecosystem? Right. So I want to switch gears a little bit here and, you know, ask you, uh, you know, how challenging was it to start a venture debt fund when you decided that you want to, you know, start out on this journey? I think this is a question very close to my heart because I think I'm still trying to solve this. Being a first time fund manager is not easy anywhere across the globe. Uh, and especially when you start a fund, you hear people saying, oh my God, he started with 20 years experience, 50 years experience and not been able to raise a fund. So you have all kind of people trying to either push you or uh, push you back uh, in terms of not doing it. So from that perspective, I think it's always a combination of being persistent and being lucky, right? So you have to be persistent, you have to be lucky in order to get it done. We're still, we're still figuring out a large market, a large fund for ourselves in various manner. I think there's a very big opportunity. So from that perspective, I think I'm glad that I found right partners in the starting in various forms, including investors who supported us, who, who believed that there is something which we can do, which traditionally uh, can be beyond venture debt and can be more like a partner to a startup. Maybe uh, sometimes it's also at the right time at the right place, right? Serendipity, which you mentioned. It's, it's a combination of all things which, which comes into play. And uh, when COVID happened, we realized that that's the best opportunity for us to fund more companies and have an acceleration and do companies which has never taken debt and make them realize the importance of debt now. So I think it has worked in, in various manners for this to come together. But yeah, I, I clearly remember it's been one year, 10 months or close to two years that I've left my last job. And it's not been an easy ride for sure. And one challenge that de- definitely would have come to this, you know, raising money from your LPs. Uh, so, you know, I wanted to ask from an LP frame of reference, you know, why should they be considering venture debt, you know, in, as part of the overall investment portfolio? And what are the key benefits that they can get out of this asset class? Sure, sure. So I'll give you a track record number, which we've not disclosed publicly, but happy to do that. Uh, in 10 months of our uh, journey, 9-10 months, we've not had a single delay on Touchwood on interest and principal. The fund has already generated the IRR, which it promised to our LPs. And we pay a hurdle rate, which is paid every quarterly to an investor. So uh, the point here is we have started giving returns, right, which is tangible in nature. That that always walks the talk rather than you saying that this will happen eventually in future. So for Warren's portion, we can say that that will eventually happen in future. What we can easily say is the 17-18% IRR, which we have generated on the debt, which is here to stay and which we have distributed as well, is something which, which generally excites our investors. 
Right, got it. And you know, from a general LP perspective, what is it in terms of stability that they get from venture debt when they're looking to diversify their portfolio? Sure. So as I said, this is not a long-term investment venture debt. So unlike venture funds, which is typically an 8 to 10 years of investment period, venture debt is 3 to 4 years of commitment period. Uh, so that means almost half of the tenor horizon or maybe lesser. Second, there's a quarterly hurdle which, which is paid out to investors, which is like a quarterly return. Because you charge monthly interest and coupons from the companies, you can afford to pay quarterly returns. So that's a tangible returns which is coming out, unlike venture capital investments. While the IRRs must be much higher of some of the best funds of 20-25%, and debt might be around, depending on which fund you're talking about, 15-20%, to 20%, but at least that's a stable return, right? Yeah. At the same time, you're investing in best of the companies, because the companies which we are, or some of the other funds are investing, and all everybody of us are trying to chase the largest player in that market. So indirectly, you have an exposure towards the startup ecosystem while doing this. Uh, I also want to talk about, you know, the outlook now, the venture debt outlook in the country. And why do you think founders are still uh, averse to venture debt today? And what would it take for us to, you know, make this asset class mainstream in, in the Indian ecosystem? No, I wish that this changes uh, very fast. We're really trying in various manners to be at the forefront of that. Venture debt in India, now th- there are some numbers here and there, but basically it's around 3 to 4% of venture capital market in India. Uh, while while it has picked up in the last year is... Uh, but when you see a West, right, when you see markets like US and Europe, it's, it's anywhere from 10 to 15% of the market. So that itself is a big market share to capture. Whatever venture capital number you pick for India, and if you believe this number is poised to increase, maybe not in short term, but after a year or so, this will come back and grow in the manner in which it has been growing in 2000, since 2015. Uh, the only thing is why the acceptance rate is low in founder community. So first thing is the supply side, right, which is uh, enough players who can create this market and like to believe that all of us are really expanding and we are trying to have a large bouquet of products and and a large base to lend from but the most important thing is also the receptivity of some of the founders towards the asset class and there are preconceived notions about that and that's what i think you would want to educate more in the ecosystem so i i clearly remember we we sanctioned a company in april when a lot of people were shell shocked and announced what what they're doing this is the time when a lot of people will run away from the venture capital and um, we said that no i think irrespective this is one year or two year or three years this company or these companies would be able to survive right and uh, that's where i think it comes in handy i i think it's majorly about founders getting a belief that you're not a fair weather friend yeah very critical big if they start believing that you are a fair weather friend when you only come with the venture capital round, that's where the crux will get lost because they're saying the typical answer, I'm not raising any round, what do you give me? It's, I'm not saying that it will change overnight, but definitely if you start lending the way you're lending, right? The founders will be as disciplined, the companies will be as disciplined and there are enough names to lend to and these founders then will be the brand ambassadors for venture debt towards the other founders. And that's what we see, honestly. Two, three founders who've taken it from us and said, no, this has worked really well. I didn't raise a round or I, I had an investor, existing investors might be participating in a small in, internal round, but these people came in and did a r- larger round for me. And it all, you know, boils down to the delta in terms of the value add that venture debt firms are bringing because that's what is differentiating them from traditional banks and giving that cushion and advantage of not diluting too much equity. Uh, so I guess as that picks up steam and, you know, we see more venture debt uh, firms doing that, it'll probably go more mainstream. So, so what's your you know five five year outlook for this asset class in India? Uh, definitely uh, gaining mainstream attention. Though I've heard it for honestly uh, when I started it, I know that people are trying to upscale it. But 
I personally believe all of us put together uh, can do a fantabulous job there. There's enough opportunity to do so. So five years hence, this should be one of the avenues to raise money from and a very recurring avenue to do it and a reliable source to do it as well. Uh, what size is can be any number depending on how venture capital market also scales up. Because ultimately you would not be able to lend if the venture capital market or the venture capital investments do not rise to that extent what everybody projects it to be. But all a ballpoint figure in terms of this number, you can take five year hence the venture capital number and if you are able to penetrate 10% of that is a large market in it. And, and then, then it becomes mainstream in terms of a lot of founders relying on this as a supported option. Fair enough. So I think with that, you know, we can move into our final segment, which is the rapid fire round. Uh, I have not been very good. Yeah, let's, let's give it a shot. I'll try to keep them simple. Sure, sure. Okay. First question, uh, one thing that you'd like to change that could help improve the state of the Indian startup ecosystem? Uh, speaking more about part two profitability, which we have been uh, hearing for a while, but it's high time we start uh, speaking more about it and actually achieving that. What's one topic, subject that you don't understand yet uh, that you wish you understood? How you get substantial amount of equity funding done without diligence? As we've seen enough rounds around it, that's one. And maybe another is uh, getting 1000 crore valued uh, with, with hardly any revenues. People from the startup ecosystem that you look up to and why? Well, it would be unfair to pick two, three people, but I, I clearly believe that there are a lot of disruptors, uh, founders who have disrupted the businesses in various forms and uh, all the business models which we uh, undergo and some of our portfolio companies are well, I think are all large players in their own rights. And it's not only the consumer brands, but others as well. I personally like to believe all the founders who lived up and have a different metal, any founder who has done it, especially in COVID times, is a person to look up to because it's not an easy job. It's a very lonely job. You might be very swanky about it. You have to go through a lot. And any founder who has made it large with a lot of patience, with a lot of uh, persistence, five years, 10 years into it, it's not easy at all. And actually acknowledge all of them. No, 100% agree with that answer as well. You know, it looks flashy on the outside, but it's definitely much, much more difficult when you actually get on the ground and, you know, get to start a building. Uh, so, you know, before we wrap up, you know, any final thoughts for, you know, both aspiring and current founders who are listening to this podcast? Especially for, for early startup, I don't think there is any mantra and it's not a gyan from my side, but an ideal scenario is to be on it if, if you started something and don't give up if you're an early stage founder. And if you are a little beyond that, I think use right ways to uh, capitalize your business, invest in your finance teams. That's something which has been missed and you do not have a prudent finance teams to run business, especially in startups. Uh, invest in those teams and ensure that it's the right metrics achieved because these are the people who will be very critical as you as you scale up. Yeah, fair enough. Espreet, it has been a great educational experience having you on the show today. You know, hopefully we'll have you back again sometime soon. Uh, pleasure having you with us today. Thanks, Dikjay. Pleasure is all mine and it was lovely speaking to you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the VC Bruno podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please let our guests know about it. Share your thoughts on social media and let them know what were your key takeaways. We would truly appreciate if you could subscribe to our podcast on the podcast platform of your choice and leave us a review on Apple iTunes. This will help others discover the podcast to get insights and to learn more about startups and venture capital, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We will love to hear from you there. You can find all episodes together on our website, thevcpreneur.com. We will be back again next week with another VC Preneur that is making a dent in the venture universe. Until then, take care and keep shining.